Hello, my rebels. Today I show you a clip from CNN mocking Americans as dumb hicks. Um, of course, they feel that way. Um, how do Canadian journalists feel about the Canadian people? And, and more to the point, how do Canadians feel about the media? I've got the new Angus Reid poll that's quite surprising. I think you'll find it very interesting. Uh, before I get out of the way and let you listen to the podcast, let me invite you to become a premium subscriber. Eight bucks a month gets you the video version of this podcast, plus other goodies. Go to premium.rebelnews.com. Here's the podcast. Tonight, Why People Hate the Media, Part 243. It's January 28th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Hey, did you see this clip from CNN the other day? It's from a panel discussion about Donald Trump and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. I, I'm not going to get into the backstory other than Pompeo apparently challenged a left-wing reporter to find Ukraine on a map. It doesn't matter because this clip speaks for itself, though. Just to set it up, there's a leftist Muslim comedian named Wajahat Ali. There's a never-Trumper Republican named Rick Wilson. And then in the middle, there's this giggly host. Uh, this I laugh too, but holy, this guy just giggles. His name is Don Lemon. Take a look. And it, obviously it's false. And look, he also knows deep in his heart that Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience, uh, you know, the, the, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one and they're, oh, y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. You, you elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling? Even though my math and you're reading. Yeah, you're reading, you know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte. All those lines on the map. <laughs> Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. Sorry, I apologize. But by, but by the way, Ukraine. Oh my God. But, but, but you know what? But, but it was Rick's fault. I blame Rick. Oh but, you know, but, but in all honesty, but all, blame you know what Rick. NPR should Why do? Why not? Sorry, hold on. You, wait, wait. Can yeah, I tell give you me a second. You, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> that was good. Sorry. Rick, you, that you, was a good one. I needed that. Okay, so listen. Now, of course, it is fair game to call any politician stupid. I don't think Donald Trump is stupid. I don't think you last long as a billionaire real estate mogul in Manhattan, if you actually are stupid. Uh, I just don't think he's stupid. I mean, what would that make all the people he's beaten, like Hillary Clinton and on down? But I get it. You want to insult the guy and simply saying orange man bad isn't doing it anymore. Hey, can, can you tell me where Ukraine is on this map? Seriously, stop for a second. Can you show me Ukraine on the map here? Um, it's not a place that most of us go. It's not near us geographically. 
There are a lot of Canadians whose families came from Ukraine, especially 100 years ago, especially in the prairies, including my own family in 1903. But without names on the map, I wouldn't bet my life that I'd get Ukraine right on a map. It's not really an IQ test. It's more of a trivia question. I'm not saying Ukraine is trivial. I'm saying it's just not relevant to the lives of most people in America. And I think a lot of people in Washington, D.C. are faking that it is of momentous importance to them just to try and get Trump in this impeachment process, which, by the way, has become a disaster for the Democrats and the media. Trump's winning. I mean, he's winning here. He's winning on the he's winning on impeachment. He's winning on witnesses. So one of the rules in a courtroom is when you're winning is sit the hell down. Yeah. Don't talk. And, and I think that they wisely followed that advice. Yeah. Now, that uh, clip with uh, Don Lemon and the others, uh, it turned about 20 seconds into it. Rick Wilson, the never Trump fake Republican, he switched. I don't know if you noticed that he started off mocking the president. But then he moved on to mocking, well, Americans, or at least the 63 million Americans who voted for Trump. That's a lot of people. And sure, some were smart and some were dumb. But CNN had a good laugh at all of them, called them rubes, said they have trouble with things like reading. <laughs> and that fake Southern accent was quite something, especially coming from Rick Wilson, who himself is from the South. I think Tallahassee is considered the South. Um, I don't know. It sure moved from mocking Trump to mocking Southerners, blue-collar workers. Anyone too dumb to find Ukraine on a map? <laughs> hey, real talk for a second. Do you actually think Don Lemon could find Ukraine on this map? How about, how about Belarus? Do you think he'd find that? How about Romania? How about Bulgaria? Do you think you could find even Turkey on this? Do you think, do you think, would you bet your life on it? No. Now, I like to laugh and I like to insult politicians, especially Justin Trudeau. I pull my remaining hair out when I think of the fact that 33% of Canadians voted for Justin Trudeau last time. I don't think I'd call all of them stupid, although a lot of them probably are. I, I don't know. I think most liberals actually have a good reason to vote liberal. It's not that they're dumb. Actually, they're, they're smart about it. They, they like the welfare state. They feel good when Trudeau attacks the oil patch and says climate action a lot because it actually doesn't cost them any jobs. It just costs those Albertans jobs. Um, I think liberal voters are afraid of conservatives because the media demonizes them. Those are all different than saying liberals are stupid. But I think it matters that this CNN clip, well, CNN's the flagship liberal news channel. They're the original 24-hour global news channel. Uh, it's pumped into airports around America and up here in Canada, too. A lot of Canadians watch CNN more than watch CBC News World. And um, unfortunately, that, that, that is shown around the world as a reflection of what America is instead of a left-wing caricature of America. Uh, CNN calls itself the most trusted name in news. It's not, but they say it anyways. I do think it matters that CNN mocks 63 million voters as stupid and really goes for the caricatures. <laughs> Dumb Southern accent, you have trouble reading. I mean, three years of demonizing Trump, and look, he's still at, what, 50, 51% support? 
Why aren't those 63 million rubes listening to Don Lemon and Rick Wilson? I love how they call Wilson a Republican strategist. Um, I tried to find evidence that he's worked on a Republican campaign in the past 20 years. Um, I couldn't. Maybe he has, but it's pretty good kept secret if he has. But CNN loves having him on the channel because it shows that even Republicans hate Donald Trump. Yeah, no, Wilson has published two books attacking Trump. Um, he's like the fake bad guy in wrestling who you bring in because you know he's going to lose. He's a patsy. This is who CNN chooses as their Republican panelist. He's not really a Republican. Um, he's happy to laugh at grassroots Republican voters. In fact, he was the one who led the mockery of the Republicans as dumb yokels, this Republican. In fact, uh, Donald Trump's support amongst Republicans is around the 90% mark. So I'm guessing there is literally no one in America who believes Rick Wilson is actually a Republican, or at least none that listen to him. Now, that's all American stuff, and maybe you've never even heard of those three people before. Fair enough. But do you doubt that is exactly how it is up here with our media party? Do you doubt it? Well, I'm here to tell you it is exactly the same up here, and I have proof in the form of the latest Angus Reid poll. Here it is. Uh, it's their poll on social values. Now, I'm going to skip over the stuff about gay rights and abortion and go straight to the last question they ask. Trust in media. Let me read from their website. The percentage of Canadians saying they generally trust the media coverage that they see is unchanged from 2016, but that is hardly good news for mainstream news organizations. Just half of respondents say that they feel the news media does a good job of presenting the facts. And then they have this graph. So it's pretty much the same as it was in 2016. It's within the margin of error. Um, but look, the fact's the fact. Half of Canadians simply don't trust the media. Now look at the wording there. Look at the wording on the, on the bottom left. 51% of Canadians say most of the stories you see in the news can't be trusted. I think the most shocking word there is most, as in the majority of the thing, not even just the occasional thing. Most of the things in the news can't be trusted. I think that's shocking. Angus Reid didn't ask, do you trust everything you see in the media? I mean, no one would trust everything, right? But half of Canadians think the majority, you tell me three things, two are not going to be true. That's how bad the reputation of the mainstream media is in Canada. Half of Canadians think the majority of what they're being told is untrustworthy. That is a stunning number, isn't it? But the next chart from Angus Reid gives it away. People don't distrust the media because they get facts wrong in any random way. Like, you know, a typographical error, like a true accident, pure chance. No. People distrust the media because the media gets the facts wrong in a deliberate, biased way, a pattern the same way every time, a left-wing way. That's an important moral difference. If someone, if someone accidentally got, I don't know, the weather wrong or a sports score wrong, you might think, oh, they just made a mistake. We all make mistakes. It's just a mistake. Don't get mad. But when the mistake goes only one way, the same way every time, it's not really a mistake then, is it? It's 
It's a deception. It's deliberate. And take a look. Look at this. This is from Angus Reid. Conservatives know it, and liberals and NDPers know it too. We can all see that the media tilts left. So, as you can see on the far left there, on average, half of us hate the media. It's actually 72% of conservatives who hate the media, but look at that, 67% of liberals love the media. It's a little bit more mixed for NDPers on the right, which shows that it's not just an ideological bias in the media, it's a partisan bias. They just love Justin Trudeau. They're playing personal favorites. I mean, you knew that already, but now you have the polling data. I think it's the same in the United States. I think that actually true diehard socialists who love Bernie Sanders, I think they're frustrated by the CNNs of the world, for example, who stuck a knife in Sanders last time for Hillary Clinton's benefit and are doing it again this time for anyone but Bernie. So uh, I think it's the same up here for Trudeau as it is down there. Now, I find this all to be good news in a perverse way. It's terrible news, of course, that the media is so biased. That is not healthy. That's not fair. I think it's a democracy problem. But the good news is, you and me, we're not the only ones who notice. Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, I am so proud of this next story. True investigative journalism, almost like a piece of detective work. Our friend Sheila Gunn-Reed, our chief reporter, found some anomalies in an access to information request. And instead of just glossing it over or turning a blind eye, she dug deeper and followed her hunch. And I think we've got a national scale scoop joining us now via Skype from her base in northern Alberta is our friend Sheila Gunn-Reed. Sheila, congratulations. Uh, great to have you back on the show. Tell our viewers what you discovered that no other journalist in Canada even tried to, to discover. Well, you know, we have to go back a little bit. Um, you know, the Liberals are constantly bragging about, you know, what a bunch of feminists they are, and it's really just to cover up for their bad behavior towards women. And, you know, Freeland, Christia Freeland, she's been bragging every chance she gets in the Financial Times, uh, Justin Trudeau's uh, photographer or one of Justin Trudeau's photographers, constantly posting pictures of her um, riding a bike and saying that she always rides a bike. So we thought, OK, let's pull her um, ministerial limo and travel records, which we did because we thought it would be a good story about how this person who constantly rides a bike isn't actually riding a bike at all. And I found some very, very long limo rides, like very long, like in between Edmonton and Calgary distance wise. Some days, 600 kilometers, 700 kilometers in the limo. That's that's so crazy. I one of, that's I mean, yeah. if you're going the speed limit, that's like seven hours in a car. I don't that's really weird for Captain, you know, Miss Bicycling Champion. So you saw these anomalies. Yeah. It proved your small thesis, which is these guys are lying about global warming, but you went one step further. Yeah, so I thought, okay, the, these distances are really crazy, and they're distances that normally we would see a politician taking a plane to get to, because for them, time is very important, but our money isn't. So, uh, you know, I, my thesis was, okay, she's either using the ministerial limo instead of a plane 
or even crazier, she's actually taking the plane and having her ministerial transportation come up empty, drive her around, and go back empty. So to write off my crazier assumption, I started going through Minister Freeland's flight records, and instead of writing off my assumption, I proved it right. She has been, especially to places like Montreal, flying up, and we have her flight records, we see her flight expenses, so we know she did it. She's flying up to places like Montreal and having her ministerial limo drive up empty, drive her around, and then drive back empty while she flies both ways and charges the taxpayer for both. In a way, you got to admit, that's actually so crazy and awesome. That's like quadruple the carbon footprint of anyone else. That's so insane to have a car go up ahead to pre-position it just to squire you around town. Like, by the way, I think cabinet ministers should have a, have a driver. They, I don't want them getting into accidents. I, I, I want them working in the car. But, but use an Uber, like call an Uber for 40 bucks or 50 bucks. Having a driver drive six hours just to get there, scoot you around town, and then drive back six hours while you're in the plane, I don't even think rock stars do that. Like, I don't think, I think rock stars hire a local car. They don't bring their favorite car and driver 700 kilometers and say, oh, hey, how was your drive? I just, I have never in my life actually heard of this ultra high carbon practice before. Forget about the carbon, the cost of it, the wear and tear, the insanity of it. I've just never heard of this behavior before. The wear and tear on the car, the, I mean, you got to pay a driver a full day to drive you around, you know, to drive back by himself, to drive up by himself, just the sheer audacity of it all. She really is behaving like a rock star. And all the while, preening in the media, telling the Financial Times, she never drives a car. She doesn't drive a car. Having one of the PMO's photographers post pictures of her riding a bike. She claims to ride a bike in January. Sorry, sister. Maybe you've got your bike in the limo. I don't know what's going on there, but she sure doesn't think that it's the climate emergency Catherine McKenna keeps telling us it is. You know, they say a fish rots from the head down, and people look to the head Mm -hmm. to set the corporate culture. Stephen Harper um, really lived modestly as prime minister. Obviously, he took the government jet and driver for security reasons alone, but he was really minimalistic in his approach. Trudeau is lavish, 17-day private jet vacations in Costa Rica, mooching off the Aga Khan. Trudeau really leads by example in a bad way. So I think that's what it is. I think the whole cabinet just watches in shock and awe as Trudeau rings out every penny he can brazenly, and they say, oh, yeah, well, that's how the boss is, and we're deputy boss, so why not? It's throw another bale of $100 bills on the fire. It's not our money. I, I think that this is Trudeau's lifestyle sloshing over to cabinet, and I, I bet she's not the only one, by the way. 
Yeah, you mean Mr. Two Planes on the campaign trail, one plane just for luggage is setting a bad example for the rest of Cabinet? That is unbelievable, Ezra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we are going to uh, dig a little deeper because I think some of the uh, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa MPs, I think a lot of this is happening where they're flying and then having the limos come up, drive them around because they can't be bothered to install the Uber app and save the taxpayer a couple bucks. So I'm going to keep looking. Um, there are some cabinet ministers on my list of ones to check out. It's just going to take some time to get the original documents back um, from the uh, ministries involved. Yeah, I bet uh, once they see this interview, they'll try and get those shredders going and they'll probably shred a lot of the documents. But We've already got enough to know this is going on. Sheila, great work. Thank you for this national class scoop. Uh, I predict, just going out on a limb here, the CBC will not follow this story. No, me neither. Uh, I think some of our friends in uh, some of conservative media will probably pick it up. Uh, but CBC, forget about it. You know what? I, I got to throw in one anecdote here. Um, about 10 years ago, I don't know if you know this, Sheila. I was invited, I know this sounds crazy, about 10 years ago, I was invited to speak to the board of the CBC. Have I ever told you this story? No. <laughs> um, I couldn't believe it either. And the board was meeting in New Brunswick, which is a delightful province, one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And um, there's not a lot of flights flying uh, from Toronto to, I was going Calgary, Toronto, uh, I think it was Fredericton. So not a lot of planes going in. So I happened to be in the same airplane as the president of the CBC at the time. And I was on my best behavior because he had invited me to make sort of the conservative case to the board. So I was on my best behavior. I wasn't going to be rude, um, but I was on the plane with him. So we both land at the airport in, uh, it was Fredericton, I'm pretty sure. And Fredericton is a smallish city in a smallish province, and I was going to get just a regular taxi. As God is my witness, I swear, Sheila, the president of the CBC had the only stretch limousine in Fredericton waiting for him there. And he said, here, hop a ride with me. So I did. And we go to the hotel, and I think it was a Radisson, you know, whatever, you know, the hotel's a hotel, you're just yeah. sleeping, it's already late. So we both check in together because they booked me in the hotel and they booked me in a regular room. And I swear as God is my witness, he was staying in the presidential suite. That is a true story I saw with my own eyes. That is how they all live on our dime. It's not just the carbon footprint. Yeah. It's the extravagance. I mean, it was a half hour ride from the airport. You didn't need a stretch limo. You're by yourself. You didn't need the presidential suite. It's like midnight. You're tired. You're going straight to bed. But just, just to know he could do it, he did it. That's the culture in Ottawa. And I, obviously, I was never invited back to speak to the CBC again. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't begrudge anybody uh, their own extravagancies if they want to pay for it themselves. Oh, that's but my point. Is this guy, oh, this was not on his dime. Oh, let me be crystal clear. Oh, no. This was a board meeting, 
the CBC rotates its board meetings around the country. Yeah. It was in Fredericton, which is why we were going out there. And I was happy to go out there. But even in Fredericton, he's just got to lord it over everyone on taxpayers' yeah. dime. It was so, so gross. Thank you for letting me tell that story. Um, <laughs> and I bet the CBC lives exactly the same way. I bet you it's not just cabinet ministers. I bet you tons of agencies and boards and commissions all do the same thing, Sheila. Remember when we uncovered the story of the water taxis? We had low-level bureaucrats just shuttling around in water taxis. We uncovered that in some expenses. I think it was for Finance Minister Bill Morneau's department. Oh, they all right. do this. Right, right. I they think... all do this, and it comes down from the top. Yeah. And, you know, if we ever get a conservative government in Ottawa, they have to commit to draining the Ottawa swamp and yeah. weeding out all these people who have been getting fat at the trough. Yeah. Well, Sheila, great work, and thank you for letting me tell a very long anecdote but I just couldn't help it because I have seen this with my eyes. I have seen this with my own eyes. And I wanted to tell you that it's probably rampant. Great work. And uh, I agree with you. I don't think a single mainstream media will pick up this story, which is why people come to The Rebel. It's the only place to get it. Take care, my friend. Thanks, Ezra. All right. There you have it. Sheila Gunn-Reed, National Scoop. Hard work. Detective work. She found it out. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back to my monologue yesterday about Trudeau's response to the coronavirus. Joseph writes, Trudeau seriously admires China and trusts Chinese propaganda films. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, went down to New York very briefly uh, and got back this morning at, uh, and, I, and I arrived at the airport. And a lot of the airport staff are wearing um, those face masks, but they're not stopping planes disgorging thousands of passengers from China. I was asked, have you gone to China in the last two weeks? And I said, no. But there were literally airplanes landing with thousands of people who came directly from China. And they're just being let in. So it's, it's, it's so strange. You have airport staff wearing masks, but not stopping people from coming in. You're asking me from, I was flying in from New York, were you in China? I said, no, I don't know what would have happened if I would have said yes. It would have been interesting to find out. But you let in planes directly from China. There's no plan here. There is no plan. Um, even though this has been a live issue for days, if not weeks, I'm worried. I'm worried. Frank writes, I have a business where I transport people from all over the world. Trust me, there are some climate change nuts who would love nothing more than to see a pandemic Knock our population down by 50%. I've heard them say it out loud. You're referring to that uh, quack political journalist um, in Quebec who said this will be great, reduce our carbon footprint. Um, well, remember, you and I are made of carbon. That's sort of a dumb thing to say, but we are a carbon-based life form. Carbon is just the C. You know, what we eat, CH, like take the C, the carbon, the hydrogen, throw in some oxygen. You have pretty much every single thing we're made of, every single thing we eat. Um, we're carbon-based life forms. So if you were so crazy that you think carbon is evil, well, then you think this whole world is evil, including us. It's, it's just kooks, absolute kookiness. On my interview with Barbara Kay, Lou writes, 
I wish Barbara Kay was right that the transgendered madness is waning in 2020. Sadly, children in too many elementary schools will be taught the dangerous and confusing ideology, including Ontario. On top of that, there are aggressive activist groups such as Get Real and Unlearn that use tax money to run workshops in schools about the harmful world of gender make-believe. This has to stop. Yeah, I like Barbara very much, and she's in Montreal, so she went to this event, and I think she was just so surprised that it was allowed that I think she's extrapolating from that one event to the larger cultural battle. I can tell you, it. it other than that one anecdote, which I acknowledge, I don't see any positive changes at all. Um, uh, in fact, as I said to Barbara, when our Kean Bexty was live tweeting about the Yaniv trial, it was so clear that someone at Twitter was observing him in real time because after each tweet he would be suspended unless he did. Like, I've never seen it before. I've never seen censorship that totalistic. Totalitarian, I guess is the word. Yeah, we're not done the worst of it yet. Well, folks, uh, that's the show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.